So whether they're secular or whether they're religious, you know, if they don't have the Spirit of God in them, uh, they'll know nothing about this fellowship that we're talking about, that we're getting ready to study about. I mean, they can observe it. Uh, They may even pretend to possess it. But spiritually, they're not privy to it. Why is that? Because they don't have the Spirit of God within them. Plain and simple. They do not have the Spirit of God in them. And if they don't have the Spirit of God in them, then they cannot possibly know the joy that John is writing about. John 15, 11, Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So tragically, uh, the majority of the world has gone the way of Cain. Instead of, uh, instead of approaching God on, on the terms that God has established, that is, you know, we approach God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father except by me, right? If they don't approach God on God's terms, then, you know, they're, they're, that's their loss. That's their loss. They would much rather, like Cain, approach God according to their terms, their good works, you know, their good deeds, you know. And, you know, I'm a good person. God should accept me because I'm a good person. Now, unfortunately, what happens is they reject what the Scripture says. What does the Scripture say in Romans uh, 3.23 or whatever? For all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. Right. So you have to come up with that. You have to you have to come up with that. You have to face that. And so those who um, are uh, like Cain, uh, they become envious of those who know the fellowship. Right? And like Cain with Abel, what did Cain do with Abel? Because of his jealousy, because of his envy. Yeah, he, well, he persecuted him, didn't he? Yeah, he killed him. And those who are of, the, of Cain, those who do not know this, the, the joy that we know, naturally they're going to they're gonna get upset, they're going to persecute, they're going to you know, raise all sorts of Cain. See what I did there? Yeah, oh, okay. So, so they, they, don't have, they don't have what we have. They don't have what we have. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what it is that we have in, in this uh, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have the Spirit dwelling, dwelling within us, we can cry out, Abba, Father. There is an intimacy there. An intimacy that, um, you know, I, I, I fear that many of us uh, don't take um, advantage of. Don't take advantage of. In, in a good way. Right? In a good way. And so that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about. So on your study guide, not your addendum, where that uh, pink fruit is, uh, your blank is this. It is a joy that is the fruit of the Spirit. It is a joy that that is a fruit of the Spirit. Right? Uh, in that this joy is a supernatural joy that can only be experienced by a born-again believer it follows that this joy, <coughs> the source of this joy, where this joy comes from, would be from the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, that abides <coughs> or dwells within the believer. So again, on your study guide, let me make sure I got that right. It's got the. Do you have that? You don't have that? 
Well, I happen to have an extra one. I think I have an extra one. No, I've got plenty. Thank you, Chair. Yep. I'll give this to you and I'll be Okay. You're welcome. All right, so your very first blanks is that um, it is a joy that is the fruit of the Spirit. And then the next uh, blank is this. This joy is of the Spirit. It is spiritual and not material. Okay? It is internal and not dependent upon the external. External would be your next blank. It is relational and not rational. Based upon reason and sight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through all of that. I'm gonna explain all of that. And that's where we transition to the addendum. That has the little battery on it. Okay, so that's where we're headed. So now we are going to transition to the addendum. You're welcome. You're more welcome. Okay, so now we're working off the addendum. So the very first blank on your new sheet. <laughs> yeah, what did I do with them? Yeah, they are. So the very first blank on your um, addendum would be this. The Bible is replete with references connecting this joy in the person of the Holy Ghost presence in the life of the born-again believer, replete. In other words, there's a lot of passages that address this truth. Okay? A lot of passages. How do you spell that? R-E-P-L-E-T-E. Replete. Okay. All right. Okay, so is everybody caught up? Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Replete. Replete. Like what you do to a skirt. <laughs> okay. All right. So Acts 13:50, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came onto Iconium. Verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So there you see the joy 
and the Holy Ghost together. Even after being persecuted, even after being expelled, uh, the disciples were filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost. So there is just one of the many, many passages that you find the Holy Ghost and joy connected together. Romans 14:17 for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Once again the Bible testifies that this joy is not something tangible or dependent you know like on meat and drink, you know, it's not something tangible, but it's something that you the, the source of this joy is the Holy Ghost that dwells within. That is the source of the uh, of joy for the true born again believer. It's it's because of the Holy Spirit within their life. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Again, there's another passage that connects this joy with the presence of the Holy Ghost in your life. Uh, Paul's prayer to this church in Rome uh, is to be answered only through the means of the spiritual blessings and, and the presence of the Holy Ghost in the lives of the believer. This is something that the natural man has no part of. That's why when you know we speak of the joy of the Lord, you know, they kind of get it, but they really don't get it because they don't have uh, the presence of the Spirit in their life. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And that's just a few of the many, many passages that to connect the presence of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer and the subsequent joy or the fruit of joy that is a part of his presence. It should be on your... I think I listed all of those scripture verses. Yeah. So on your addendum, once again we see from the Bible that this joy is of the Spirit's doing in the life of the believer, and the blank is, and it is spiritual in its source, in that it is of the power of God and not due to some mental willfulness, right? It's not an attitude that you whip up, or material manifestation of man's natural ability or wisdom. That's what you hear all the time. You hear all of these preachers with their pep rallies, and all they do it, all they're doing is whipping up your emotions. And yeah, you know, you hear the music and you hear a rousing sermon and you you know you get all the and boy, you know, you think you felt the joy of the Lord, but as soon as you walk out and you try to start your car and find your battery dead, what happens? <laughs> There goes your joy. There goes your joy. Manifestation. A material manifestation. So the next blank is, it is internal due to the indwelling Spirit of God and therefore is not dependent upon the external circumstances of life. If you have the Spirit of God in you, folks, you will experience the joy. Because it's inside you. It's already inside you. 
Uh, we see this in these people that we just read about. They were experiencing persecution. They were experiencing, you know, uh, hostility from those that uh, didn't get what they had. I remember in India, went to a, a place near a paper factory. Were you there with me? I think it was you. And we went to this little mud hut. I mean, it was just a, it was probably no bigger than some folks' walk-in closet. And there was like five or six people that lived in this little mud hut. And I don't even think they had running water. I don't even know if they had an inside toilet or anything like that. But yet, I was shamed. The joy that, that was so evident in the lives of these people. Because why? Because they knew the Lord. Because they had the Spirit of God within them. And I tell you what, that was a humbling experience to me. I mean, they had, in our you know, perspective, they had absolutely nothing, but they had something over me. They had this joy. In spite of their circumstances, they had this joy. So I, I came away with a very important lesson. A very important lesson. This is your next blank. You see, this joy is relational and not rational. As the world likes things to be based upon reason and sight. It's relational, folks. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is re- it's relational. How is your relation with God? What is your fellowship with God? What's it like? Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, in the context of this verse, the Apostle Paul is addressing issues in this church. And what he's addressing in this church is that, that there's some sin issues in this, in the, in this church. And he's, he's addressing these sin issues. And he's saying, he's saying, brothers and sisters, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in your life with these issues, with these sin issues. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now that doesn't mean sinless perfection, folks. That simply means, you know, having the Lord sanctified in your heart, and you yourself sanctified unto the Lord. So on your, on your blank here, the Bible consistently appeals to the Christian to allow nothing in their life that would be contrary to the holiness of God. Consistently. Why? Why is this? Well, I can list a lot of reasons... But, the, but for our purpose, the main reason is because when, when sin is in your life, that disrupts your fellowship with God. That also disrupts your fellowship with other believers. When you allow sin in your life to have, have its way, that disrupts your fellowship with God. 
That's kind of like what John's talking about here, back here in 1 John. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And we're going to get into that. All of this that I'm laying out for you is preparatory for what we're getting ready to dive into. Because what we're getting ready to dive into in this epistle is deep. Very deep. So on your worksheet, grieving the Holy Spirit is a spiritual condition characterizing a carnal and unyielding lifestyle adopted by the children of light. You choose to live that way. We choose to live that way. Shame on us. Shame on us. The first step in grieving the Spirit may be in quenching the Spirit's influence in your life because you refuse to be obedient to what God's Word says you should be about. You quench the Spirit of God in your life when you say, no, I'm not going to do that, just like this little girl with an attitude. No, I don't want to do it that way. No, I don't want to do that. Well, what you're doing is, is you're quenching the Spirit of God in your life. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul addresses some of these issues, such as anger and dishonesty and unforgiveness and other spiritual issues. All of these issues are grieving the indwelling Spirit of God. When you refuse to forgive a brother or sister in Christ, you're grieving the Spirit of God. When you walk around cranky and grouchy all the time, you're grieving the Spirit of God. When you're dishonest, you're grieving the Spirit of God. Because that is not the character of the Spirit of God, is it? So on your worksheet, refusing to repent of these issues and follow the commandments of God addressing these issues is part and parcel of what is to quench the work of the Holy Spirit in one's life. Like this little girl, you stamp your little feet and you say no. No. Again, understand, and this is where a lot of people go astray in 1 John, it's not an issue of your salvation. I've read I don't know how many commentaries that approach it from that angle. No. This is about your fellowship with God. This is about your relation with God. So it's not about salvation. It's about your fellowship with God. That's what's at stake. You know, you know, we get all whipped up in a frenzy about salvation. And we should. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. In fact, you know... Oh, you know, we've got some brothers who are so concerned about losing their salvation. Right? They make that the number one thing about everything. It, it is. That's where it all starts. But why don't we have that same kind of fervency when it comes to our fellowshipping with God? We should have that same kind of fervency. Once you've got that salvation issue settled then you ought to be fervent in your fellowship with God. That should be a number one thing with you. So on your worksheet, the persistent 
grieving and quenching of the Holy Spirit in one's life results in further departure from God's will and and this severely affects one's fellowship with the Father. You keep saying no to God and what are you doing? Are you stepping closer or are you stepping back? Yeah, you're stepping back. You're stepping out of His will. And when you're out of the will of God, then you're not in fellowship with God. And we should be so concerned about that. But we're not. Because I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that many of God's people take this, this, this fellowship with God lightly or they take it for granted. Don't do that. Amos 3.3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Don't you want to walk in agreement with God? Believe me, that's the place of joy. That's the place of peace. When the child of God steps away from the light, the Holy Spirit can no longer direct them. And you know what he has to do now? He has to, yeah, exactly. He's got to begin the process of discipline and chastising. He can no longer lead you. He's now got to chastise you. He's got to go through that process of dealing with an erring child. You know, when you read in Hebrews chapter 12, especially verses 11 through 13, uh, it's insightful to read that the way that Paul describes this uh, erring child's walk is though he's limping with an unsteady gait. When you're out of fellowship with God, you're limping. You're not in step. You're not in step. You need a spiritual knee replacement. You're not in step. You're limping. You don't want to limp. On your worksheet, the result of this grieving of the Holy Spirit for the born-again believer is a disruption. And yes, even potential loss of fellowship with the Father. Again, not loss of salvation, loss of fellowship. Loss of fellowship. Instead of the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in the life of the believer, guess what is manifested? Works of the flesh. It's either or, guys. There is no in-between. That's the way John presents it. It's either this or it's either that. There is no gray area. There is no gray area. And yet, we have been taught by many that there is a gray area and it's okay to, it's okay to dwell there. No, you're either in the light or you're in the darkness. John makes it very clear. Two words that like you. Yes, but. You know, instead of the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in life, it's the works of the flesh. That's what becomes prominent. That's what becomes noticeable. And you know, it's interesting to me, this, this being out of sorts is noticeable to everybody except who? The one who's out of sorts. Right? Yeah, everybody else is the problem. You know, we find justification for our lame walk and our wrong-headed attitudes. We, we champion our offenses. Well, they offended me. 
you know. So we champion our offenses, but we never consider that maybe it's us that brought about their behavior in the first place. Right? Maybe maybe I'm the one in the wrong. Maybe I'm the one that I need to examine my heart and, yeah, you know what, because of what I said, because of what I did, that's why they're behaving the way they're behaving. But we don't like to do that. We don't like to do that. I mean, we're really, we're really quick to point out the offense of others, but we never give thought to the possibility that the reason why they're behaving that way is because of something that I'm doing or something that I'm saying. On your study guide, sadly, some of the spiritual darkness that afflicts, A-F-F-L-I-C-T-S, the lost, will affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, the erring child. In that living contrary to God's word, they will be deprived of understanding and receiving more light from God's word. You see, the natural man cannot receive light from God's word, and when you are out of fellowship with God, that'll affect you the same way. That'll affect you the same way. You know, one of the ministries of the indwelling spirit is to illuminate truth to the children of light. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 13. He says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. That's what the natural man, you know, that's what he knows about. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Don't miss that. Why would he give us more light when we are proving resistant and rebellious toward the light he's already given us? Right? If we're not obeying what he's showing us, if we're not living what he's showing us, why would we expect him to show us more? That would just make us accountable. Right? To something that we're not ready to be accountable for. So in that way, he's being a good father. In that way, he's being a good father. He is a good father. And quenching and and grieving the Holy Spirit by by behaving contrary to God's word, we actually hinder his ministry in our life. We do. We hinder his ministry in our life. Uh, we hinder him in bestowing upon us, you know, more blessing and, and receiving more light. There's a passage, I think it's in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus couldn't perform very many miracles. Why? Because he was powerless? No, because the people did not believe. Because of their unbelief. That's the same thing with us, folks. Because of our disobedience or even because of our unbelief, he really can't... We, we, well, I hate to say it this way. We kind of tie his hands. You know, Jeff C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us peace apart from himself. Yeah. 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 See, this is a, this is a spiritual dynamic 
that every truly born again believer can testify to. Now, am I telling you something that you guys don't already know? Yeah, because we we've all I think we've all we're all old enough in here to have experienced that. Some of us may be experiencing it right now. I don't know. You know, I don't know. That's why this joy is relational and not rational. That's why this joy is dependent upon our fellowship with God. Being right in our relationship with God. It's not that he's unwilling to you know, allow us to... It's, it's us. We're the problem. We're the ones that's keeping us from from experiences of this joy. So on your worksheet, because a natural man cannot see it, feel it, taste it, put it under a microscope and dissect it, to him it is foolishness. Why is it foolishness to him? Because he doesn't have the indwelling spirit of God. Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. I don't want a heart that frets against the Lord. I just don't. Been there, done that. Never happy. Now, quite frankly, with all of the theatrics of the false teachers and the, and, and the false doctrine about matters uh, in regards to the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of foolishness out there. There is a lot of abuse out there. Uh, it's no wonder that the world looks at some of these, I'm going to say it, some of these clowns in their theatrics, and it's really no wonder to me that the world looks at this and sees nothing but foolishness and hypocrisy from those that claim they know God. But unfortunately what the world does, it lumps everybody in the same boat. Right? It does. The natural man, both religious and secular, they turn everything upside down. Everything is wrong is now right. Everything that's right is now wrong. They've got this distorted perspective on spiritual matters. And unfortunately, (laughs) a lot of those folks who claim to know God kind of contribute to that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We want to be biblical. And it's because of this distorted view that the natural man sees, that's why he's in opposition. That's why he's in opposition to the Word of God. So still addressing the topic of joy being the fruit of the Spirit at work in the believer's life, uh, the church, and I use this in a general in a general sense, and I can see right now I'm not going to get through all of this. But in a general sense, I, I, I refer to the church. Okay, At, you know I'm going to lump everybody in, from Catholic to Charismatic. Okay, so we're talking church. Um, when it comes to the relational aspect of the uh, the uh, the uh, the spirit of god inside the believer there's two extremes 
that's seen. And I'm talking extremes, okay? I'm talking extremes. So on your, on your worksheet, the one extreme is this. There is the admittance of the Spirit's presence in the life of the believer, but a great reluctance and even a certain apprehension to pursue any further than an intellectual profession of one's faith. Okay, did you get that? There is certain anxiety among some of taking this truth of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer too far. And therefore actually coming up short and knowing the communion that God wants to have through the indwelling Holy Ghost. That's one extreme. Now that word communion is found in 2 Corinthians 13.14 The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. That word communion is the very same word fellowship that we find right here in 1 John chapter 1, 3 through 4. There is a good reason for the Spirit of God being within us. <laughs> okay? Romans 8.26 Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see some folks want to keep that truth in an intellectual envelope. because of the charismaniacs right there is a anxiety and I'll even say a fear of taking what the Bible clearly teaches too far you know I've, I've spoken to some folks well you got to be careful here why it's what the Bible teaches Jesus in John 14, 15 through 18, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, am I, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Okay, let me explain that. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, this was prior to Pentecost. So the Spirit of God was with them. After Pentecost, where was the Spirit of God? In them. Okay? In them. Then Jesus goes on in verse 18. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Hmm. Jesus said, I will come to you. Has he? Has he? Yes. Thank you, ma'am. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 10. Now, Romans chapter 8 is one of those full mentions of a particular 
doctrine of the scripture. And that full mention is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Just like in 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, right here in Romans 8, 9 through 10, we have the entire Godhead mentioned. And the Spirit of Christ, they're all the same, they're all the same person, now dwells within us. I remember one day, years and years ago, talking to my good, good friend, Sam Shockley, and I said, Sam, wouldn't it have been wonderful to live in the days of Jesus and to hear Jesus from his own mouth and to see, and he says, nope. He said, Brother Jeff, he says, I would not have wanted to live then. And I was really shocked. I said, well, why not, Sam? Now, understand, Sam is a black man. And Sam says, well, Jeff, he says, if I lived back in the days of Jesus, I'd probably be running from some lion wanting to eat me in the middle of Africa. And I thought, you know what, he's right. Because my ancestors were fighting the Romans in what is now known as France. So I'd probably have a silly sword in my hand trying to beat off a Roman soldier. He says, no, he says, I'm glad I'm living in the days that I live. Because I have Jesus Christ living in me and I can fellowship with him. And I hear from him in his word every day. I said, yep. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Now, of course, this teaching has led to the other extreme, hasn't it? This teaching has led to the other extreme. So on your worksheet, the other extreme is to abandon the clear teaching of the Word of God and to make outlandish claims driven by the emotion of their fleshly minds more so than truth. That's the other extreme. That's the other extreme. Abandon and emotion are your two blanks. Having cast away the, the, the sure moorings of the truth of the Word of God, this group of people have exposed themselves and, and made themselves vulnerable to be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind and doctrine by those false teachers out there who claim, Thus saith the Spirit of God, and then when they say something, it is so contrary to the Word of God that I'm surprised that some of these people don't stand up and say, That is blasphemy and that is heresy. But yet they swallow it down because some joker says, Yes, I call him a joker. Because some joker says, the Spirit of God showed me. Even though it's contrary to the Word of God, you don't look to the Word of God. You listen to what the Spirit says through this man. That is hogwash. Absolute hogwash. But there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these gullible believers who follow these jokers. And you get these wild-eyed nutcases who think they can blow away COVID with their breath because the Spirit of God told them to do so. How well did that work? I'm sorry. 
No, they're not. No, they're not. They're never called out on it. Yeah. So when the believer is armed with a biblical, balanced comprehension of what the Bible teaches concerning the Comforter, that is Christ within us, just like he had promised, don't be afraid of that, folks. Embrace that truth. Embrace that truth because that is your source of joy. That is your source of joy. We fellowship with God through prayer. We fellowship with God through the Word of God. And you know who makes all of that real for us? The indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Embrace that truth. Don't be afraid of that truth. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. It should not be surprising to find that the second virtue of the Spirit's fruit manifested in the Spirit-filled believer is joy. Follows right after love. Right? Love, joy. So on your worksheet, returning to Paul's admonition of Ephesians 4.30, And that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The word grieve is a relational word. More specifically, a love word. In that you cannot grieve someone who does not love you. Okay? I mean, you can hurt that person. You can make that person angry. You can disappoint that person. But if that person does not truly love you, they will not be grieved over you. They will not be grieved over you. And I'm going to say something that maybe might make some of you nervous. To grieve the Holy Spirit is to cause grief to someone, capital S, who loves you. To grieve the Holy Spirit is to cause grief to someone, capital S, who loves you. Yes, the Holy Spirit loves you. Did you ever think of that? Did you ever think of that? The Holy Spirit loves you. I mean, if the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit is love, then this tells me that the Spirit knows something about love, right? I mean, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. And since He is the Spirit of Christ, and He is the Holy Spirit of God who so loved the world, then it would follow that the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, loves you. So when you grieve the Spirit, you're grieving someone who loves you when a born again believer sins he's not sinning against the law of God he's sinning against the love of God so when you're walking around in that stinky attitude quenching and grieving the spirit you're grieving someone who loves you and wants the best for you 
What parent in here has not seen their child rebel and not grieve over that child because you know that the path they're taking is to their hurt? Why do you grieve for that child? Because you love them. Because you love them. I don't know. I've got like seven minutes. Uh, So, I think I'm going to have to stop there. But what I want to talk to you when we get back together is um, how can we believers grieve the Holy Spirit of God who loves us? There are ten potential ways that we as believers can grieve the Spirit who indwells us, who loves us. And these are ten things that we want to be very careful of, ten things that we want to avoid. Because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We don't want to quench the Spirit of God working in our life. Uh, we, want, we don't want to be this little girl. You know, why must you be this way? We don't want to be that way. If you want to experience the joy that John is talking about here in fellowshipping with the Father, then the last thing we want to do is quench and grieve the Spirit of God working in our life. Don't be afraid of that truth. Don't be afraid of that truth. And don't let the charismaniacs ruin that truth for you. And don't let your... I don't know what you would call them. They're hard-nosed intellectual Christians. Don't let them steal that from you. He's there for a reason. And that reason is that we might enjoy fellowship with God. Amen? Alright, so I'm going to have to stop there. And uh, next week, if you show up on time, maybe we'll get the lessons. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's not nice. All right, let's go ahead and close off in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your presence in our life. We thank you so much for your word from which you communicate to us. We thank you also, Lord God, for the privilege of prayer that we can communicate back to you. Father in heaven, help us not to be fearful of your presence in our life, but rather instead, Lord, show us how we might embrace your presence in your life. That, Father in heaven, we know that you love us. You've proven that through your son, Jesus Christ, and you've proven that with your presence in our life. I pray, Father in heaven that as we go about our day Lord that we are always mindful of you conscious of your presence and that Father in that we might rejoice and be joyful. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.